Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys bring in a specialist on lending to make sure you get the best deal before buying your home. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. What's happening? We're back. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, we got a guest today, which we're excited to introduce. Um, but first, we wanted to say thank you again for all the support and love we've received. Um, it so- sounds like this buyer's se- series of episodes we've put on has been uh, hitting the mark, which mm-hmm. is exciting to hear. So today, we're going to go over the lending side of things. But before we get in there, we wanted to make sure that you... Um, you know who we are. Yeah. Well, yeah if you, you like what we're doing... Subscribe. Yeah, please subscribe to the yep. channel. The YouTube channel is doing really well. Uh, podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts has been doing great. Please like, you know, review and, and rate us. Yep. Um, love yeah, if you guys subscribe, you'll know when the episodes come out. Uh, we launch them on Fridays every week. YouTube channel, uh, which is the uncut, unfiltered version <laughs> of us just rambling nonsense, is out usually on Wednesday or Thursday of the week after. Yeah, so and we're excited to see. That's what we were doing this whole podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it's you know <laughs> we're kind of kind of excited to see your comments on Oscar's uh, dress from last time. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I'm just starting. If you guys, yeah, if you guys need like a one-way ticket to Bogota, we got a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> and he, he toned it down a little bit today. He went to with the khakis. Well, there's a bright window and these bright lights, so these are my prescriptions, and I just dress how I dress. Love yeah, it. That's so, fair. So if I can, unapologetically, you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Oscar, how can we get a hold of you, my man? Um, so we are gonna do one number, one email. That way, everybody knows. But you could get you could find me at OscarTheRealtor.com. Perfect, Jameson, uh, the Colorado real estate guy, uh, and that's on TikTok, Instagram, and the Colorado real estate guy.com as well. Perfect, uh, JC Ortega here. You can be, reach me at JC Ortega Realtor on Instagram and TikTok, or JC at Metro50.com. And with that, we'd like to introduce our guest for the day. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate you guys having me here, and uh, I love what you guys are doing, man. This is awesome. So thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, my name is Devin Rice. I work for a Day One Mortgage. Um, I've been uh, in the industry for coming up on almost a little five years in mortgages and almost a decade in finance in general. So we kind of been around the block a little bit. Excited to talk to you guys. Nice. Seen a little bit of everything. A little bit. A little bit of everything. Yeah. Good and bad. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> awesome, man. Well, we can't wait to get into uh, what you got to tell us today. I think um, a lot of the scary things when it comes to finances people get a little concerned about what what, what they may see but we want to make sure that that's demystified today and it, it, they can understand how easy it is a hundred percent yeah that's a, a big topic right now is everybody's kind of freaking out for good reasons yeah. right so yeah. um it's kind of making it easier and then people understanding the industry and really just how the process works and it's not as daunting as a lot of people make it to be yeah it's there's options out there oh, don't sell 100%. yourself short oh yeah it's Explore it's your options. Yeah. All right. Well, then with that, we'd like to go ahead and uh, kick off the introduction on the on our, our beverage of the day. Jameson, you want to go ahead and kick this one off? Oh, we drink whiskey here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, well, we bourbon guys, whiskey. Do you guys today, want some? Uh, do you guys yes. want some? Yes. Do you guys want some? I feel like right, we've already cool. gone through half of it. And it's a rye. <laughs> yeah. So this bottle, was this bottle full when we started? It was. Yeah, it was brand new. Uh, we can't disclose Listen, that. so it's called quality control. <laughs> I right? did. wanted to make sure every time we come, we we give you guys quality Right. And this one, we had to make sure that it was tasted a couple of times. So uh, <laughs> if you guys are good with it, we'll go ahead and introduce it. So we actually have Smoke Wagon. And uh, today it's going to be the malted straight rye whiskey. So if you guys can see that, um, I, I'm going to pour some for myself here in a second because oh, I'll, I'll start pouring. These guys uh, are a little bit ahead of me. But uh, basically, it is a. Uh, 
it's a rye whiskey. So the, the mash bill on this one is uh, 51% rye and then 41 or sorry, 49% malted. Yeah, filled it. Um, it's a little bit higher proof. So it's about 116 proof, which easy math, about 58% alcohol by volume. So it should hit a little bit harder than you know, just your standard single barrel. Um, probably similar a little bit to the, the McKenna tenure that we had last uh, last week. Uh, we should be seeing some um, some bold black pepper. It does say unapologetically bold, very similar to Oscar's dress. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> Not saying sorry. <laughs> uh, and it is uh, it's cask strength, right? I think, I think so, they call it fit now. I got to call it sir. Is it, it fit? It's, it's, it's Oscar's it's fit. fit. Yeah. Is that what the kids are saying? Yeah, I don't know. Those kids are probably still not, not apologetic. Um, yeah, so it is cask strength, which is a, a little bit different. Basically, whatever the alcohol content is in the barrel, when they go ahead and distill it, it stays the same. So they don't water it down, and they purposely make it a little bit higher, a little bit hotter. Uh, it's going to have a little bit more uh, fire as it goes in, and then little hints of vanilla, cinnamon, smoke. Um, and again, unapologetic black pepper flavor as well. Yeah, it's a newer uh, bottle out from Smoke Wagon out of Las Vegas. You should be able to find this on the shelf relatively easy in the next couple months as it's going to be one that um, they want to everyday kind of drinker. Yep. But uh, it's kind of cool. This is the first one we've had, which is rye, not a bourbon. So yep. I'm excited. Oscar's about already starting. So yeah, he's we'll, already uh, going. Go ahead. Cheers, yeah. cheers, gentlemen. Cheers now. Oh, I forgot to cheers. Sorry. Yeah, guys. yeah. Cheers. Cheers. So your initial thoughts again. It doesn't have as much... Uh, initial burn or bite as i would expect for a higher alcohol content mm -hmm. um, what's the proof on this one 116 116, 116. Yeah. yeah you light it on the fire right? it has a very sweet right. i don't know call it boutique or bouquet it's like wine I don't yeah know. we have we, we do have a bourbon expert in the house and i don't want to look stupid what was the uh <laughs> what was the the qualifier last week was herbaceous herbaceous, right? herbaceous. uh no i get the cinnamon for sure yeah, a yeah. little bit of the smoke i do get the black pepper the sweet good flower smells real good really good Devin, you're you're uh it's your first time on the show what do you think man I think it's really well. Smoke wagon's like my uh, my favorite whiskey in general, bourbon. I guess I'd rather I should say, but um, I've never had um, any of the was it malt mash? Yeah. No, I never had that before. It's still really good. I don't think they, they really have anything bad. It's a bit smoky, but it's not overpowering. Which yeah, I like. I like the smoke yeah. though. Yeah. I like the smoke. Yeah. I mean, I guess we do this every week. Oscar, how do you feel about it in an old fashioned? <laughs> I have not made an old fashioned with this. This is the first time drinking this, so I'm, I'm excited to make an old fashioned slack out of this. Where's the sugar? Throw it in there. Yeah. No, some, some nice some brown sugar. Syrup, some <laughs> mushroom <laughs> cherries. Why is it brown sugar? Zest. Right? Well, look, look at him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's his nickname, I thought. Brown, brown sugar. sugar. Brown yeah, sugar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Shout out to my boy, Chocolate Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> it's Greg Nelson. Oh, oh, I like it. Yeah. So if you guys are following at home, um, like I said, you can start to find this on the shelves. And as always, as you guys are listening now, watching next week, if you guys have have actually had this and have your own reviews, let us know. We'll review it at the end on our uh, on our rock takeaways, as always. But and if you um, make an old fashioned out of it, you got to tell me now. Tell yeah. me now to do it or not. Yeah, he's gonna do it anyway. I'm so gonna do it anyway. It's fine. But um, otherwise, yeah. And as always, if you guys got suggestions, um, as you can see in the shop behind us, we got some some choices. But let us know what you guys would like us to try, to try and taste. And if you guys are listening at home, chilling out. Join us. Otherwise, we'll uh, I'll kick it back over to JC and get us started. Very good. I, I love this uh, this this whiskey right now. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. so, it's good. Um, great. So as we you know continue to sip and enjoy this, we want to go ahead and, and deep dive into the lending process. What I would say is when I got started in the industry and when I bought my first house, like I, I we closed on our first house, I still don't understand what the hell we were doing. Like the 
I sent it in this application and then told me I was approved. Mm -hmm. And then like, it was a new construction. So six months later, then I wasn't approved, but then I was approved. Then I had to like bring this much money down or this much money down and APR and all this nonsense. So we, when I got finally licensed and tried to figure it out, like I realized no one knows about finances. It's a lack of transparency, no, right? Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. And in, in the transaction in general, when you talk to people, a lot of the, the bigger issues are because of a lack of transparency. And Agreed. our goal is with Devin here um, to kind of, like JC said, I thought you put it brilliantly. We want to de demystify the process for you guys. And we want to yeah. make sure you understand going in, what am I signing? What are the different definitions? What should I look out for? Um, so we're going to grill Devin today and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Luckily he's got some whiskey in him, so he shouldn't take it too hard. Yeah, but not being too scared about the process. Yeah. Don't sell yourself yeah. short. No, ask it's the, necessary. Ask but the expert. You know, Ask yes. the yeah. expert. Love it. So as we kind of dig d deep dive into it, I think the first thing we should kind of discuss is number one. So what lending companies are out there? So you were at Day One Mortgage. How's that differentiate from like a Wells Fargo or a Chase or a Rocket Mortgage or that kind of stuff? Yeah, you got it. So um, to make this easy, you're, you're, you have about three tiers of different kind of uh, mortgage companies. Okay. So you have what well, you, you can kind of consider your basic broker. And a broker is somebody that probably has... 20 plus different lenders they can go to and they have to depend on their underwriting and their overlays of what's called it, which is their own kind of guidelines that they use to, to get a loan. Um, and they send it to them and they say yes or no. And that's kind of how things work. So um, they usually have pretty good rates, but they don't have any control of the process. Okay. You go to the other side of the spectrum and you're going to get what you're calling like your retail um, style uh, lenders. So you're going to get your rocket mortgages and those are your um, your larger ones that still kind of go with all these same lenders, they broker it out or they take it themselves. Um, but they, um, they're much larger and they, they don't really, um, have it nearly as much control of the process either, but they're usually more expensive too. They have a way larger overhead. They don't, they have, they charge a little bit more to get there, but everyone knows them. So they feel like they're a little more trustworthy. I'm in the middle. So I'm considered what's called a correspondent lender. Okay. So I can broker out like the big guys do and, and the small guys for that matter. But um, correspondent means that um, I have all the underwriting in-house. So I do get to control the process. So I know what they're going to say yes or no to. I, I don't have to worry about having to go to lender to ask X, Y, or Z. We already know the answer. We just do the whole loan right in the house. We know the underwriters. We know the processors. And we send the loan when it's done. So it sounds so, like you know, the best way to break that down is you have big, big guys. So like the Rocket Mortgage, the you know, Better Mortgage. They're big corporations that Banks. have a lot of overhead. Banks as well. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. Chase, Wells Fargo, a lot of overhead they have to take care of. Correct. And it seems a little impersonal because it sounds like they might be taking care of multiple states and different areas. Yeah. And then you have the brokers who are more like individual person trying to go to these other smaller banks to try to get it done, but they don't have the power necessarily of like, the bigger place, the, like a better or a rocket to get some stuff done. They have no control of the process. Yeah, they're, the they're beholden to, to the part, people with the money. Yeah. And then in the middle, it's kind of nice. It's like a blend in between. So you have all the same uh, resources as the big people. Right. But the flexibility to move quickly like the small people. But you're more personal and, you know, know the market intimately. Correct. You're and the Goldilocks what... of lenders. <laughs> is essentially what we're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Are you a service? I'm the, I'm the just right, is what we like to say there. Um, yes. But, yeah, no. So the, I think the biggest advantage is that, you know, when somebody's out shopping for a house or doing whatever, you come to someone like me, I can get you pretty quickly turned over. You know me personally. I'm local. I'm going to mm -hmm. come talk to you in person if you'd like to. Um, but more importantly, it's the extra effort to help you get under contract and do the extra work that's needed to 
we you know be competitive in the market. You know, no matter what the market. Yeah, because you guys aren't necessarily going on volume. No, well, right? no, no, in, no, no. In the sense of like, you know, a schmockage mortgage is trying Schmuck to churn out as much as possible. We have guys that are salary and we're yes, here to exactly. run as much volume right. as possible. Does day one service? Do they service alone? Um, we have options for service. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's and that's yeah. And yeah. I think that's a good, because I want to get back to that later, Oscar. So bookmark that And if you guys are watching. Um, but I do want to get back to the difference there. So yeah. last week, we kind of went through the the pro, the step-by-step process as far as what a buyer will go through for purchasing a home, right? And we did the high-level overview. So we we say all the time that the number one most important step is pre-approval. Yep. So can you just kind of walk us through that first step and what a buyer should expect in a couple different forms, right? Number one, the difference between being pre-approved and pre-qualified. Beautiful. And then uh, another big one as far as what you guys are looking for and what buyers can get prepared going into that step so it's as smooth as possible. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the, the difference between a, a pre-approval and pre-qualification um, is just limited by the difference of paperwork or no paperwork, right? So whenever I get an application in, someone goes and puts in all their stuff, we talk, we fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. uh, Pre-qualification pre just means I'm gonna go off of what you tell, told me already, and I'm gonna t and spit out, based on what you said, this is what you can get, right? But you can't go put an offer in for an, on a house for something like that. Um, so you know when, uh, when you go for a full pre-approval, that's gonna be more something that's based on, hey, I have the solid evidence, I can prove this, I can pitch this to a bank, I can show that this is qualifiable, and I'm comfortable with you going and putting in an offer. So it's the difference between an offer and not an offer. It, it, does that go in front of an underwriter? It can't. Yeah, most of the time it does. So it, so anytime I would ever do a pre-approval, um, I would never not have a, an actual a, approval, an official approval in hand. So it's pre-underwritten. Yeah, yeah. So and, now and that's, the, that's pretty solid at that point. Correct. Now you have two different levels of underwriting, right? You have automatic, automated underwriters. That's I just submitted it to a system. They spit back a yes or a no. Um, or I ask go to fully underwritten to a person to read through the entire file and say yes or no. Now, when will I do that? Typically, it's just going to be if I'm going to really pre-underwrite something, it's for my self-employed borrowers. Now, have you ever got a D or LP? What's the matter of that? There, um, it's Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And, and it doesn't go in front of somebody and not be able to do it. And when you get a DU or an LP, go ahead. You're, you're pretty solid, right? I, I'm, I'm pretty confident. Unless there's something that I di didn't feel comfortable with in terms of clarity of part of the situation, then there would be no reason for me to not to say yes once I get an approval from there. Again, the only time I really care about having an underwriter have to look at it is only when it's complicated. Special be circumstances. Oh, oh yeah, I, I own three businesses. I, ha I own five houses that are rentals. Some are part, you know, you know, short-term income, some toward- Just that typical situation. Yeah, yeah, and then so, I want you to make sure yeah. you agree with what I'm saying. But for the most part, so if you do it long enough. The yeah. sounds like a pre-qualification, pull up an application, all the information you put in is not necessarily verified, it's just that what they submitted, and it's like, cool, based on what you said, we're good. But a pre-approval, you actually documented everything they said. So you said you made this much money, we checked Yes, yes, you do. I did all my calculations. We see I what know. your monthly payments are. We're good. The and Russians have a saying, right? Trust but verify. <laughs> the pre-qualification would be the trust part, <laughs> and then if you want to go full Putin, well, you got the pre-approval. -pre we we all we also have a kind of good saying that's always like uh, <laughs> full Putin. <laughs> and there goes our YouTube. It's there gonna it is. Censor and delete this podcast. <laughs> Listen, FBI, if you're watching, it was it's a joke. It's a joke. Okay? It's a joke. <laughs> But it, it, the, the, the saying in our side is, is it's, um, it's not what we believe, it's what we can prove, right? So mm -hmm. we have to be able to prove everything that you say. So I sure. believe you, but until I have the documents, I can't. 
Well, and so Oscar, for on your side, right, as a listing agent, and if you have offers, and the reason we're asked, we're talking about this is it came up a lot, especially when it was a lot busier and there was multiple offers. If you're a listing agent and you saw something come in with a pre-qualification letter versus a pre-approval letter, is that something that you looked at on behalf of your sellers and gave them kind of the, the lowdown on why or why not they should accept that offer? One of the due diligence is definitely call the lender. And it, does he pick up? That's important. Yes. Or, yeah. and, and half the time, if, if they have a good lender, they'll call ahead yeah. of time and then ask the right questions, right? Uh, DTI, debt to income ratio. Are they tight on that? Because it could be a, a solid looking offer on the real estate yeah. side, but the financing is tight or not a lot of digging in has been sure. done. And it's just a prequel. It's not, if, uh, if it's pre underwritten. Yeah, it's, I will not it's, accept it's, an offer. You know, I, I, I will go back to the yeah. seller and say, look, we might run into some issues. It hasn't been scrubbed down. I don't have confidence in the lender. The lend the lender is a strong part of getting your contract accepted. Yeah. And if they no, do their I job do. right, it, it it's also the stronghold. Yeah. If we, we get we a close, we will we, close. You can go online right now and get a pre-qualification in seconds mm -hmm. from better and rocket. But if the buyer's agent comes but if across he, if I, and says, yeah. Hey, we will close. I've I've worked with this lender and ask him what whatever and he he's fully yeah. confident, I'll accept that offer all day. So but, uh, yeah, listen, yeah, and if I see one from like a rocket or a better, or like a like a national easy, like you go online in ten seconds, we're not accepting that offer. End of story. So like, when unless it's super good, then we're digging in just a little bit, yeah, and then would, we're getting to the it, bottom. It, it takes and, and it takes another like three hours. Nine out of ten it. times, they're just gonna be like, well, we're just going off of what they put in the internet. Yeah, no, I'll be uh, I'll be transparent. So I had a client that used Rocket Mortgage, right, and we had tried to get pre-qualified with a different or pre-approved with a different lender and. Rocket Mortgage's rates were just better because, you know, they go cyclical, right? Like some people just offer ridiculous deals. However, <clears throat> when we put in the offer, I probably had to field three phone calls from the seller's agent being like, hey, do you think this is going to close because it's Rocket Mortgage? Not that it's any better or any less. Their underwriting standards are different, but there's just a history of if you have to get a hold of somebody at Rocket Mortgage, if it's after 5 p.m., nobody's going to answer the phone. If it's on the weekend, nobody's going to answer the phone. Are they going to pay attention to dates and deadlines like appraisals, right? In my case, they didn't. They actually forgot to order the appraisal. If that happens with the lender that you know we know we can trust, and I call that lender, that's a face-to-face -face conversation, right? And I've had those conversations with you and other preferred lenders. I tried to call Rocket Mortgage and I didn't get an answer for two days. So we almost lost the closing, not due to the underwriting pieces, but the fact that it's just a big machine with a lot of moving parts and salaried individuals that may or may not really have the best interests of the client. So it's important to differentiate when you're shopping the rate versus the customer well, it's, service. It's, versus it's, it's, it's a lot harder else. when you're like one of 100,000 right. or exactly. one of 10. Mm -hmm. So if you're one of 10, that person's probably going to be a bit more like diligent and taking care of you. Correct. Whereas yeah. if you're one of 100,000, you're easily lost in the cracks and it doesn't matter as much. So again, this is not to disparage Rocket. I've had no, some great, great, had some great experience with them. Like I have a client that's at one of the greatest rates I've ever seen, got refunded. Like yeah. they've got some great deals. It's just more of a buyer beware. Make sure you guys are doing due yeah, diligence. And I think it goes back to like, let's make sure we're pre-approved. Yes. So you put that information in, you hit submit, they give you a letter. They do that because they, they hooked you. Mm -hmm. like, hey guys, like, at the end of the it's day. It's a sales pitch. Our, and we our, want to make sure that they're our really, really approved for that offer. Doesn't know the difference between us and the lender half the time. Mm -hmm. They're an extension of our, our who sure. we are. Mm -hmm. So part of the team. And like, I'm not going to throw them under the bus. So I'm going to, I'm going to depend on them that they're going to do a great job. And I don't stick my neck out for anybody. So if my lender is a part of my team, I know he's going to get it done. Yeah. And I know both of you know where Devin lives. That's <laughs> yeah, true. People knocking on his door. It's true. Yeah, you know? That's very true. But, that's but, very true. But, that, but that's not something we need the consumer to worry about. Nope. You know, you trust in me. You trust in the lender that I'm. I'm. I'm asking you to use because it's an ask. 
We don't tell. You know, please, I've worked with him in the past. He knows what he's doing. We'll take it to closing. So, Devin, I got a question for you then as far as pre-approval goes. If I'm a buyer and I'm looking to get pre-approved, what are the things that I need, like per se my ducks in a row, that you're going to ask for that I can have prepared ahead of time to make that as seamless as a yeah as um, a transaction as possible well just from the pre-approval side so so it, it definitely depends on what you do for work right? right so it depends on what you do but we'll do two two examples right do one that's just let's, a standard let's do self-employed versus yeah. your, w-2, your yeah. hourly w-2 yeah right? exactly okay w-2 is such an easy transaction okay. okay it's nothing you need to really you know you have to look for a lot of stuff here's the here's the honest thing is that if i have a w-2 employee unless we're in a very specific program I don't care about your tax returns. Okay. People really kind of worry about that. They yeah. think it's going to be like a, a financial enema. All right. So it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, I need to get everything. Well, taxes in general fucking yeah. enema. Yeah, Dude, no have, you guys ever, have you guys ever tried to actually hunt down your tax returns when you when somebody goes, hey, <laughs> Oscar, enema. I need your last two W-2s for the last two years. It probably take, it takes me. I tear apart my house. I don't know where they're at. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no last time I had way, W-2s. 1998. Yeah. So if I ask you for those right now, I'm not going to find exactly. Them. Well, if I go to back uh, 22 years, 24 years, I'm going to have, have a problem with that approval anyways. But yeah, you're, uh, <laughs> it's not going to yeah. be, it's not going to be good. It's, you're going to laugh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no. So, you know, I don't need tax returns. Probably I would say 85, 90% of my borrowers. Okay. okay. I really don't need them unless they're, they're specific things. So yeah. I don't usually ask it up front. My goal is to make the beginning as painless as humanly possible. I want to ask for only what I know I need. And if I need more, just know ahead of time. I might ask for more, but I don't know enough yet. You know, and, that, and, and obviously what, so what you so what is that? is going to depend. So, so you're going to be looking at W-2s. You need two years of W-2s. I need 30 days of pay stubs. Those are the only two main pieces of financial information outside bank statements that I know that I'll need. Okay. So bank, but, but bank statements probably, right? Oh, for sure. I, I need to know where your money's coming from if you're bringing a down payment, whether right. – 3%, 5%, 20%, wherever it's coming from. Yep. Okay. Um, and then, so I need to know where the money's coming from, where it is, where it's been sourced. So two months of bank statements, two years W-2s, mm-hmm. and then 30 days of pay steps. Okay. So basically we need to know assets. So how much money you have. A- right. Assets are and then like income. How much cherry on the top, right? To make things better. Well, also yes. down payment. Well, it's mainly down payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Cherry on the top or would be considered what's called reserves. Five, uh, the 401ks. Yeah, correct. Stuff Anything like that. that backs up. Hey, I have more money than what I'm showing this bank account to make me look better to a bank. Okay. It's a story, guys. It's yeah. a story you're it telling is. to someone that doesn't know you. That's what credit report comes in. I've been paying this X amount of years on time. And then here's my income. And here are my assets. Correct. So what, what money's coming in to pay my monthly payment? Where's my down payment coming from? And yes, I have reserves in the bank in case something bad happens. The, the bank is making a decision on whether or not you can repay or not. It's yes. ability to repay. And that's the whole way that the, that mortgage is give, uh, given out. So Perfect. your credit report and your assets and everything. So typically, like, let's say I get you my last two months bank statements, my last two pay stubs, my last two years W-2s. How quickly can you get me like a pre-approval? 24 hours. Or if it's W two, it's usually under twenty four hours. Yeah, but 22, 24 Call hours. Twenty four hours. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's not that it's not that long, right? Correct. No, it does not take that long. The only time you have a curveball in there is that somebody can be W two and also be commission or bonus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're commission or bonus, the only additional step I need to take is I need to get a verification from your employer. I need to know how much commission or bonus you got in the last two years and how consistent. I got to be able to average that out. I got to know what it is. Again, exactly. a story that you're trying it's to tell. It's a story. Yeah. You're not you're yeah. not getting a bonus every like nine months. Right. You're yeah. getting a bonus every quarter or, or as a one time bonus. Or and yeah. Actually, you're not going to get it that and that that point right there though is actually a big thing that I get a lot is that people kind of wait until they think their biggest bonus times or commissions are coming 
in the year to wait to apply because they want to look as good as I can for that year. So I'm going to wait. And so I'm going to wait, 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 wait until November. At the end of third quarter, I'll have the better commission statement. The reality is I'm averaging over an entire two-year period. One statement is not going to make a difference. No, no reason to slow down. Well, and that's, that's an important it. distinction, right? Yep. Because at the end of the day, there's times where, and you look at rates, right? How quickly rates have risen. If you had somebody wait six months because they were getting a bonus and they wanted to look better, that rate went from a 4.5% to a 7%. This year so just, itself. Just, Go two months. Right. But I'm saying yeah. the yeah. point is just waiting now costs that individual X amount of money on the monthly payment or kick them completely out of the buyer pool. So that's right. a that's a very important thing that I don't think a lot of people know is you may, yes, have a, you know, a lot of people have annual bonuses and quarterly bonuses. So if you guys have questions on when you should start to apply, talk to your lender and ask them, hey, so I do have a bonus coming up. Is it important enough for me? You see my bank statements, you see everything else. Is it is it gonna make or break it if I wait another three months before going for a pre-approval? Because that could make a massive difference. Well, well, the reality for me is as a lender, I'd rather see it first and go, hey, here's our backup plan. If I can't make it work now, now we will be able to make it work when it comes yes. rather than going, I'm gonna wait and assume I have to wait right. because it's gonna be better. The more yep. you tell your lender, mortgage broker, the more, the more information they have to best price price your your loan out, mm -hmm. um, it's it, it still has to go through the final eyes, which is the underwriter, right? right? And if he says, "Wait, no, this is this is not going to make you look good," he'll stop you. And or you know what, it doesn't matter. Let's just move forward. That's why you ask for two years, right? Because you have a full year, and then you could be half the year in and say, "Wait, well, I got to wait till that that bonus kicks in." Well, it reflects last year, yep. and that's when the verification of employment comes in. You know, in the foreseeable future, are they going to are they still be working there? Yep. Do their commissions still stand? And they can make an assessment from there. Well, but we talked about this last week, right? JC mentioned it. So when you talk about um, the the partnership with the realtor and the lender, I mean, we'll, we'll try and save you as much money up front. The lender is what's going to save you guys the money over the 30 years of the loan. Yeah. So being in communication and as open, honest, and transparent with somebody like Devin as early in the process as you can is only going to help you guys save more money in the long run. Yeah. Really? Right. So yeah, and don't be afraid. Like, it's not scary. He doesn't bite up front and long, long term. Right. Well, and that's a big differentiator, uh, different differentiator, excuse me. Um, we're at the point oh, in this oh, podcast. Oh, 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 the right. smoke I, wagon has kicked. We're we're in. The we are now making up words. Differentiator is that people in, in kind of my position in my kind of company, we're not as transactional. Mm -hmm. right? in, in, in other words, I'm not here to just to pop you through the system and you know, spit you out in the other yeah, side. Yeah, you're not a cashier. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not here for that. We're here to actually, you know, get a wealth plan together. And let me teach you how to use this. Are you going to come back and buy an investment property? Let's teach you about that. Let's make you build wealth <clears throat> and we grow together. So I, if this is your first house, I want your first house, but I want your next four houses after that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm here for. So the more you trust me and understand, I know your situation, Great. the better off is everyone's going to yeah. be. And th run. this is where I found that, like, where the who you work with matters yes because 100 if you're in a like churn and burn kind of situation if you don't fit the perfect mold that's like you know 80 percent of the, the customers will close with this profile they tend to move on because of the, the pace of the market mm -hmm. and they want to get to the next one mm -hmm. or if you get the right uh, partner in the in the finance side who can be creative who can see things that others can't see, get like with different programs or, hey, if you do this here, you do that here. If we plan accordingly, we can get you here, here, here. That's what helps me as a, a realtor mm -hmm. because yeah. at the end of the day, our goal is to get you into your next place. 
And if I don't have a partner on the other end who can be creative and come up with solutions that we didn't think of, then I can't do my job either. Unless you have cash. If we don't have financing, we don't have a deal. Well, and I, and I look at it like I'm I'm leading buyers through essentially a minefield. Yeah. But you know how like World War II, they use the dog to sniff out the mines. Well, if I am, if I have a good partnership with my lender, I know where those mines are at. It allows me to lead you as a buyer more deftly through that entire landscape to get you from under contract to close. And there are certain people, certain individuals, certain companies that you guys as as buyers can you know interview and again partner with your realtor and whatnot. That's why we always. Um, we'll kick this in the nip this in the bud too. This is why we always recommend a preferred lender, right? We're not getting a kickback. No, no. we don't get paid at all. anything different, illegal. right? That, there illegal. is no. It's very illegal. It yes. is extremely legal. We could all get our license revoked. We could get fined. We can face jail time. The reason we always offer jail time's a bit rough. Our preferred. <laughs> hey, you never know, man. There's, <laughs> there's, there's a bit extreme. mortgage fraud, you know, white I mean, collar yeah. prison. Go, yeah, hang out with Jared from Subway. <laughs> Sure a little bit different of a crime, but um, I mean, he is white. He is, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he does he does wear collared shirts, uh, but that's why we do that because we want to make sure that we we're working with people we're comfortable with. Yeah. And at the end of the day, as a buyer, it's going to make that process so much easier. And I always tell people like, there's two things I tell people. Number one, when you're buying a house, you need to construct a team, mm-hmm. and you need to construct a good team because it is that's what it takes to get to. And then uh, number two, if we're going through the process and the transaction. And as a buyer, you're not hearing a ton. That means that we're behind the scenes working and we're hard. working with a really good team and it's going to feel painless because that's what our job is. I don't want people to have to call me no. and go, hey, what's this? Or, hey, have you gotten a hold of my lender? I don't want to have to call a lender and have them not answer because it's you know a Saturday at noon and they're doing something else. Like I want somebody to pick up the phone so I can call them so I don't have to tell you what's happening. And we just go to the next checkpoint and the next checkpoint and the next checkpoint. That's and trust it. me, as, uh, as, as a buyer's agent, I don't want to have to worry about the lending side. Uh-uh. Hey, you give me the thumbs up, I'll see you at closing. Yep, it may, exactly. We have enough to worry about on the real estate side. Yes. And not only, I mean, is it a, a good process for the consumer, but as an agent, you have a good lender, I'll see you at closing. You should feel like uh, going to McDonald's. Yeah. You go through We're the drive through you get food, go. you leave. You don't want to know what's happening in the, in the kitchen. Not going to lie. We don't want to know what's going to happen I would in the say kitchen. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're fast. Because those dudes, they have that unlocked. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and on our and side of things, it should always be like an, a contingency plan. My pleasure. A, B's and C's. I communicate that with yes. you guys. Yep. Everyone knows, hey, this could be potentially an issue. If it is, then this is what we're going to do. This yeah. is what we're going to do. But just know that the deal is not going to fall apart. We got it. So, JC, can you summarize for us real quick, like what we've talked about as far as that process goes with Devin? Yeah. So, ultimately, it sounds like, so once we get the documentation we need, we verified income and assets, Mm -hmm. then what we want to make sure is that we have everyone on the same page so we can move forward to get to the next spot uh, of the transaction. So, once we start making offers, Mm -hmm. What's that process look like on, we'll, we'll just go from a buyer's agent and we'll transition into a, uh, a lender. Mm-hmm. So as a buyer's agent, like how do you process writing offers? Uh, Oscar Jameson, please. Communication with the lender, right? What, what, what does that look like? With the lending side, closing costs. Mm-hmm. Are they, do they have all the money for the closing costs? That's gonna be a good Yeah, once, once, once they've verified their assets and income. He says, you know what, they're covering it. Or you, you might have to ask for some. And now with the market, now we can actually ask for some closing costs and you can use some of the money allocated for the buy down. You know, Let's, the lender will, what, what the happens lender if, will give you- uh, What happens if your folks have plenty of money in the bank? What other options do we have to like take advantage of certain programs? Like- Outside of the buy down? Because that, that's where I would well, allocate I, that money. I mean, I'm thinking like 
let's say right now they have enough money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Why not take advantage of like a DPA and or down payment there's assistance? An, that, there's another acronym. Down DPA. payment assistance. So what does that look like? Well, what does it look like on the lending side? Because that has that has its own outcome, right? Uh, if they have their own money, plenty of money, you know, they're going conventional. It's a slam dunk, right? But let's let let's say that you know you're 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 borderline, and you want to buy the rate down, or you want to do some other thing. Allocate your money somewhere else. You talk about down payment assistance. What is down payment assistance? What down payment assistance are still available? Oh man, there's plenty here in Colorado. Um, main one everyone hears is Chaffa, right? So everyone knows about Chaffa. Um, Chaffa is just like a state funded program that essentially what they're going to do, man, is they're going to give you guys a little bit higher rate. You have VA, FHA, conventional, you have all the programs available for DPA. Um, but what they do is then you can get grants, grants being they'll give you the money, but then you never have to pay it back. Right. So it's just poof, it's gone after a certain amount of time. Um, where the most, most popular ones with an least competitive rate, they'll basically put a second lien on your property. It says, Hey, I gave you X amount of money, which is enough for to cover your down payment. And it's going to sit on the back end of your loan as a second lien, but there's no interest. There's no payments. It just stays there until you decide to refinance or sell your home. And so, which is really nice actually, because we gain equity now, you know, pretty fast lately, obviously. Right. So, um, that, uh, that you can refi in as early as six months and pay back that money and refinance to a low rate. Hopefully that happens. So Devin, how, like when you talk about Chaffer, and is it the Colorado federal housing administration? Is that what it stands for? Correct. Okay. So if you talk about that, is there a limit to how much they will put towards your down payment? The most typical program is going to be 4%. Okay. 4% 4% of the, the total down. Um, so it'll be, you know, again, FHA requires 3.5% down. Mm-hmm. Conventional, depending on income, is about 3% down. But either way, they'll give you about 4% of that, and that 4% is what's going to sit in the back in your loan. And are the, uh, FHA- are the underwriting standards and whatnot a little bit different than doing a conventional or a regular FHA? Yeah, they're a little more stringent. Um, okay. You have to bring 1000 bucks to the table. That's the biggest requirement. Okay? Of your own money? Of your own money. You have to have it in your bank account. You made it from your job. It has to be inside your bank account, 1000 bucks. So you're Outside. telling me I can go buy a house? With for a thousand dollars of my own money, I literally had uh, I don't know four in the last six months that had the minimum one thousand dollars down bought a house. So again, one of the biggest like takeaways from my time in real estate was the myth that you had to have twenty percent down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy, a nationwide. This, thing, this, right? this, this credit, this crazy credit profile. But now you're telling me like I can go buy a house with a thousand dollars. And actually, believe it or not, again, like in the last eight months, it's the most doable it's been in the probably last four years. So right what, what is it like credit wise? Like what, what kind of credit score do I have to, to be able to, to use do that? Chaffer DPA? You need a 620 credit score. Okay. 620 <laughs> is your minimum to get in. That's, that's it. And that's by the way, bad. guys, it's not hard. That's, that's not, not hard, hard to get just, to. And I will tell you the 620 borrower is going to get the exact same interest rate as the person that has a 760. Mm-hmm. There's no differentiation. Either you're in or you're out. That's it. Yeah. So it, uh, basically, 620 is it's 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 easy. It's, it's, it's easy. not bad. It's, it's not. It's not bad. It's, it's not. Just, you pay your bills on time, and you have like one. Somebody should card. look up like average credit score in the U.S. But I mean, that's probably yeah. pretty close to what it I would is. Say it's probably no, no, it's like no, no. It's a little higher than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little it's higher. higher. It's closer to 660, 670. Yeah. Okay. So that is not overly hard. No, not at all. And a thousand dollars from money you're making from your job shouldn't be too difficult, mm-hmm. assuming you make the right steps. So we can go buy a house with a thousand dollars and a very basic credit score. With zero down. Right, because we can get concessions, right? So that's the biggest part. So just so you guys understand, so when you do do a down payment assistance program, 
you have to cover the closing costs. Correct. Yep. Okay. With any transaction. Any transaction. Any transaction, there's closing costs. The average somewhere between five and seven grand is a pretty good guess. It's usually a percentage, Can you use right? some of the DPA money for that? No. No. Okay. That's no, strictly zero. down payment. Down, yeah, that's closing costs. Yeah, exactly. Only towards the, uh, the towards the down payment. Yeah, that is a, it's a good distinction. I just want to call this out. So the, the down payment assistance is for down the down payment. payment and the down payment alone. It does not cover closing costs. It does not cover earnest money, which can go towards closing costs. Correct. The $1,000 is basically to make sure that somebody getting down payment assistance has skin in the game. Correct. And is serious about buying a house. They that invested. said, your down payment, it could come from your earnest money. Money's yes. already in. Yes. Okay. yes, correct. Money's already in. It's your yes. money. You use that. What, what's that, average earnest? One percent. One percent. One percent. So three hundred thousand dollars, three grand, right? That means you're going to get four thousand dollars back if you're buying a five hundred. Yeah, we we've literally home. had folks who bought a house. My last one, twenty. We we had one together yeah. that got with, money back. Twenty three thousand dollars back. They get closing. their earnest money back, yep. or parts of their earnest money back, because they had enough. But it is an important distinction, right? Yeah. When we say a thousand dollars out of your own pocket, this is where the seller concession comes in, and this is where the communication with your lender comes in, because Devin, you can tell us how much concessions we need right. to cover those closing Correct. costs. Correct. And I'm always going to guess high, right? Yes. So a little bit. And so I'm always going to guess high a little what's, bit. So. What's that document that gives them all that information? Uh, a loan estimate? The good faith estimate? Yeah. Well, it used to be good, called good faith. Now it's called yeah. loan estimate okay. now. I'm from the old school. Oh, I know you're old school, man. I feel like I good faith is just like you got the new vibes of 2008. It makes you feel good. Yeah, 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 yeah. vibes of 2008, though. Like, yeah, it's, this is about You're back in the CDO days yeah, and all the, the crash yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's where you're at. But no, back no. It's called loan estimate now. Yeah. And so if you guys ever shop around, and this actually kind of comes back a little bit to when you guys are talking about Rocket and things like that. I, I don't I have any bad blood about the big guys out there. I think it's important for people, if they start there, to at least branch out a little bit and try out and see what the people have to offer. And see if we can be competitive or beat out the other offers. You should try that, try that out. But um, uh, when you get a loan estimate, it's specifically built now. Pre, from what you said, good faith used to be everyone can make up their own stuff. It all looks different. I don't know how to compare these things. Loan estimates look exactly the same. They have to from every single lender other than their name at the top. And so you can actually compare people. Say, hey, this is what I spent money on. This is what they're offering. You should be able to make an informed decision. And that's huge. If you have a lender that is is letting you know, hey, go shop me. You know he's confident about his product. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it. and you should. Yeah, so that's down payment assistance. So we did down payment assistance, which is uh, which is a, a way to get your mm -hmm. down payment down, right? Use some different products out there. So now we have our pre-approval. Mm -hmm. We know that we maybe need cash, maybe don't need cash. We've already sourced it. So then we, we wrote our offer based on what the lender has, has explained to us. So what is what do you do after we write the offer? Like what what, what do you like? What to goes do? behind the scenes? I'm I'm gonna be on the phone with that listing agent within five minutes. Like as soon as you guys tell me that you're putting in an offer, I want the number of that person, I'm gonna call them immediately. What, what kind of message do you want to deliver there? I, I'm selling the shit out of your loan, to be honest with you. Yep. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> right? but, but no, to be to be like transparent though, you know what I mean? Like I wanna know, I want them to know, hey, here's potential issues, here's any potential issue with the house itself or whatever it might be with the program. But for the most part, it's like, especially if you guys are a solid loan, it's the fact that they can take this offer and it might as well be cash. Yeah, and I'll say from a listing agent perspective, because I've been mainly a listing agent over the last three, four years-ish, when a lender calls me and says like, here's the deal, like this thing's done, like it's closing. That matters to me. Like, I don't want to deal with a loan that's not going to close. I don't want to deal with a lender who's not willing to put their reputation and their name on the line. Local lenders who only deal in this marketplace for the most part, if they fuck up once, guess how many offers I'll accept from that lender again? None. 
it, every, it's, it's such a small world, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, it is. I've already dealt with so many different agents um, that uh, I, I had a repeat business from, and it's being forthright and honest about everything, right? Yeah. It's a huge deal. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not gonna just blow sunshine up your ass just because I want you to take my offer and I can't follow through. That doesn't help anybody. I'll see a repeat lender that I've closed with, hands down. I tell sorry, it's yeah. done. Yeah, I know they know what they're good. doing. Absolutely. They know what they're doing. We've actually accepted offers that are lower than others mm -hmm. based on the reputation of the lender. Because guess what? I would rather risk my client's next house on someone who I've closed a deal with than someone that I have it for $2,000. Kind of like the agent, right? Yeah. I've never done a deal with this agent. They're offering crazy amount over, but they just want to wrap us up. We're going to be off the market for 30 days. A lot can happen in 30 days. Now we're, we're stagnant. We're, it, it's just going to go downhill or, Hey, I've done an, I've done a, a few transactions with this agent. They're going to get it done. And guess what? Their lender, they closed every time. Yep. They're 10 for 10. Well, it's still, it's still, uh, retail adage right we always said like one bad review if you have if you have something that has a bad experience they tell on average 10 people if you have something that has a good experience like one person right so when you guys are working with these lenders like it behooves them and us and you for them to close it yeah. like that's the entire you can point. do a thousand a thousand things right mm -hmm. i'll take maybe one. somebody will, will will notice you do one bad thing once everybody mm -hmm. finds out you're only as good as your last everybody one everybody finds yeah. out yep. the, the best Absolutely. indicator of the future is the past yep and uh, I am not going to put my reputation on the line. You guys are getting philosophical. For somebody <laughs> yeah. to be or not to be. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> so, Devin, so now we've, we, we've established you know, communication with listening agent. You've, you've sold the shit out of the the borrower. Don't you worry about that. And everything is looking good. So, you know, at that point, we, you know, as agents, we're going to go ahead and, you know, assume our offers under, under contract accepted. And I will tell you, we've had deals accepted because of the lenders we used, because of the, the story they told and the confidence they gave the listing agent that, mm -hmm. that, that we, for, to a T, oh, yeah. we've yep. had that experience. So on our end, the next part, we're going to get the earnest money in, which is like the good faith, you know, hey, we're ready to roll. We have money. So then on your end, on the back end, what's the next major milestone when it comes to the transaction? Well, and, and, and maybe talk about a little bit of something that the the consumer doesn't know about that it's a process it's a, one of the main process of loan what does the underwriter underwriter do and what is the process that they go through to approve the loan well okay so we have a couple different steps in this right so when you as soon as you get under contract the loan's going into the, you're working with a direct processor right so they're going to go through they're going to confirm everything that i've already done and then the loan goes into underwriting when the underwriter looks through if you have a good lender um the underwriter is just telling you what you already know like, like i already know what they're going to say i already know what guidelines they're going to go off of yada yada um, but all they're going off of is they're checking all the stuff you've already given them and making sure it all checks out, right? Like, no, no, you didn't calculate this right or you didn't get whatever else right. If you're good at what you do, whatever you spit out should come back to you the exact same way. Like, oh, yep. Yeah, their job is to shoot holes through it. With, with all the acronyms, right? The yeah, VODs, oh yeah. This is VODs, VORs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And the good distinction here also is, is that me and my processor are working for the client. The underwriter is working for the lender. 100%. Okay, so like they're, like we're that. not on the same side. Okay, we're fighting the underwriter and they're pushing back trying to find any hole that we're we built in this story. So the more I know, the more I can build up to fight the the underwriter essentially. They're kind of the the villain of the story in a way, but realistically when you're especially when you do ones like me when I'm a correspondent lender, I I go to Christmas parties with my underwriter. I know the underwriter. So we can have these back and forth that make more sense to explain things 
we're going to go into a big company. They're just going to go, no, I don't see what you're, what you're you work for the same company, but you do a different task. Yes. You're for the consumer. Correct. I, I fight for, for the, the client. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So you're, gonna, you're collecting all the docs. You've got the contract. You send it to the underwriter trying to prove the case we made originally. Hey, right. This is the property. This is the thing we want to buy. Yep. Here's the financial like backing behind it. Yep. Here's the, the appraisal. Here's everything. So, so walk through like, so the, I, I think that for us, the next big thing that we worry about on the lending side is the appraisal. Like, how's that work for you guys? Well, we ordered the appraisal. Um, well, you have the inspection first. You guys get the inspection just so you guys know. Inspection doesn't mean anything to me. Right. Exactly. Yep. It means nothing. I don't care. You guys get it because it's best for the consumer. But once the inspection and the objection is done, that's when I immediately, I usually order. Do you the, ever ask for those? No. The never. objection or the resolution? No, no. You guys should tell me that you're over it. Okay, that's cool. it. That's, I, that's I, don't, I don't want to hear I love it. I think love the only it. time would be um, if we're getting concessions via the inspection. Oh, right, right. Right. Because yeah, if, you, if there's a dollar amount the, that, that, on the, the inspection yeah. objection, then that just changes the contract. Just changes yeah. the contract. Because yeah. financially advantageous. We'll take care of that. that. Yeah, exactly right. That. I really don't want to be part of it because <clears> the, the reality so is who, I don't want to so hear the, the appraiser is, is it, do they work for you or? How? No, absolutely not. No. So we're, it's actually illegal for them to work for us. We can't have any financial games of who we use for an appraiser. So the appraiser is always ordered through a third party. Can't be directly affiliated with the company that they're working for. Has to be a third party. Um, and so they're, you know, depending on the area, you might get the same person multiple mm. times because there's only a few of them, but we can't pick them technically. They go out, they appraise the property, they find all the comps, they do everything they have to find out if, is the property worth. And this is actually a good distinction too. When they're, when a, uh, an appraiser is trying to find the, the value of a property, the, if they're trying to do a purchase versus a refinance are two different numbers, right? So I'm doing a purchase. Is it worth what they're buying it for versus mm -hmm. a refi is what is it worth just in general, according to all the other cops? Yep. It's two different numbers. People get it all the time. It's the, same, it's the exact same amount I'm getting in a contract for. Right. Well, then that means it it was worth what you're buying it sure. for. That's all they're saying. Yep. Um, but anyway, so they, they come back. The biggest things when it comes to appraisal in my mind is it is the number obviously, but lately hasn't been that problem. It's more, is there any conditions in the property that depending on your loan program can change whether or not you need to have, the seller has to fix something. This is a bigger problem lately. You have houses that are appreciating so much in value that you have a $400,000 house that two years ago was 275. Right. And that the, uh, the actual condition of that property is pretty rough. The appraisers come back and say, you got to fix X, Y, and Z before I'll even give you a value. And if the seller is not willing to do that, then you have no deal. Mm -hmm. like they, and, and, and some programs are more stringent than others. Yeah, you have FHA, any, for example. Well, any government, right? So HUD-backed ones or any kind of uh, you know FHA, VA, USDA, those are all going to be much more stringent. Health and safety have a lot more things about them, um, whereas uh, conventional is your least stringent of all of them, which is why that a lot of um, sellers will rather take a conventional loan over any other you know, government-backed loan because it's Pot just simpler. Potentially could be less stringent. Less headaches. Yeah, correct. Correct. But that doesn't detour from FHA being a solid loan. No, they're it's amazing loans. Loan. No, they're absolutely... That's that's one of the things that drives me nuts. It's a lot of conversations I have with listing agents, actually. There's going to be the people talking about FHA or VA loans, and I don't know, I have a conventional sitting here. I'm like, you know how much easier it is for me to get this loan through outside the appraisal mm -hmm. than a conventional loan? Right. Like this is like this is money in your pocket. The, the other thing on the on the real estate side is like those guidelines are not secret. No. No. The FHA and VA. So we know them up front. Yeah, we we can find that out. Like it's basic, right? Like we're talking the house is built before 1978. Lead-based paint. Well, uh, tile's cracked. We get to replace the tile. 
1968 asbestos. I mean, this is all stuff that agents should know. I mean, every time I take a listing, how big do you want your buyer pool? Because your exterior of the house has some chip and paint. FHA is not going to like this. Right. That's yeah. conversations I have with my sellers. Yeah. So and that's important you now. Your buyer pool. That's important now as our demand has gone down, right? If you're going 100%. out and you want to list your house, like before, you could be picky. Yeah. Oh, you could let's, do let's be honest. Yeah. You could. Yeah. Now you can't. So we talk about it all the time. What are ways we can do to expand a buyer pool? Having an agent, a realtor, being able to tell you, hey, here's the things we need to fix to make sure that FHA and VA are going to come in with no issue. And now all of a sudden I have you know, by two thirds, 25, 30% more buyers, your, your a lot more. Is, your reach yeah. is yep. bigger. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, the, so you get the appraisal ordered. They come in, they give you a report. It's all good. Ready to roll. No issues. Yep. <laughs> now is the CTC. Well, by the time I get an appraisal yeah. back, no, I should be through underwriting by that point. Okay. So when I get through underwriting, the underwriter is going to come back and they'll ask for the last set of conditions to be able to close the loan. And now what are conditions? So conditions are anything additional they want to see in terms of documentation from the borrower. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to give it the, hey, Mr. Client, congratulations, you're approved. However, I need to get X, Y, or Z for the underwriter to feel warm and cozy to be able to go ahead and give us the final clear to close on this. Usually the conditions, if we did our job the right way the first time, minimal, then it should be barely anything. A couple, you know. Anything uh, that comes up rather often that people could just be prepared for? Um, yeah, like uh, doing simple, they call them um, letters, letters of explanation. If okay. you, L-O-X. If, L-O-X, yep, yep. So those are literally just letters that say that, hey, I this inquiry was because of this, or this is, you know, any kind of explanation that the underwriter needs to, again, feel good. That, that we presented them this option, and they just want your um, a letter from you saying, yep, this is true. Yeah. And so one of the things that we see that with is like, we'll call it gift money, right? I've seen a couple times gift money. There may be letters of explanation. So Big again- deposits. Being working right. with a lender that can look at a file and communicate effectively can prepare you to have those things done beforehand, which then leads to things like not having to extend closing and and not making sure you know again it's the minefield right, right. Move, move move in on time yep exactly. and there's a difference right like certain lenders I've had uh, emails saying hey I need a letter explanation for this 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 this. Mm-hmm. Then I've had lenders who send me the letters of explanation and said, please have your client sign this. Exactly. Sicky, sicky, so sicky. again, like just things that make things easier for you and making sure we get to the next step the easiest way possible. Yep. And again, for our convenience as well, because we have a landmine of stuff we have to do. I preface my, my buyers, keep everything electronic mm-hmm. because your lender is going to ask for A 20 times. Yep. Electronic, just shoot it out. And it's because you have different departments, right? You're going to look at it and maybe your processing department's going to look at it and maybe the closing department's going to look at mm-hmm. it. You know, obviously the underwriter is going to want it. And sometimes it's different systems. I, I, I don't know, but it's not, they're not trying to make things difficult for you. Oh, no, no. On the contrary, they, they, they want it to be smooth for you, but keep everything electronic. I want every document once and I want it at the right time and I'll prepare it for you. And, and you might ask for it this. twice. Right. Like, let's say, let's keep say, it electronic. Yeah. If you, have a, if you have a borrower that is trying to go be a buyer and they've been in the market for two months, I'll let you know by the time you get under contract, you're going to have to update these docs for me. Right. And, but after you update the docs, I'm not going to ask you for you again at the closing. Right. The only thing you will have at closing, though, is that so whenever we, if you're a W-2 employee, whatever it is, we're going to have to call and do a verification of employment. So just be prepared for that. Your HR department, make sure we have the right contacts. Make sure, make it easy for us to do the things that we have to do. And we talked about it last podcast. Don't lose your job. Don't go put a lot of stuff on credit. Don't go yeah. buying cards. Don't, do you don't do a softball before closing? 
No, actually, my, my company doesn't do that at all. No, we don't have to do another um, another slot pool at closing. Um, so we just have to do the last minute verifications that you still have your job. That's a big COVID thing, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. we make sure you're not you didn't get laid off in the middle of the time of the period. You didn't go buy a car. You didn't do X, Y, or Z. Um, but uh, but for the most part, the end of a transaction should be extremely simple, and that that, that kind of stuff will be asked for during my condition list for a final approval. Typically. How long before closing do you issue the CTC, the clear to close? My team is due for five business days prior to close. Huge. So Huge. That's, so seven seven total days. Some eight. So some some uh, lenders day before closing, you're you're sitting there biting your nails. So clear to close. Explain. What does that look like? So clear to close means we're done, right? So it means we've we've taken it all back. The underwriter said, "Hey, I need these conditions in order to close." We go to the borrower. Hey, I need these things. Give it back to them. They go, "Thank you." Done. And ready to go and close. There's approved. two big things, right? There's a ready clear to, to close release money, and there's a closing disclosure. Correct. So the difference between the two. Go ahead and explain that and how that relates to what Oscar said, as far as his good faith or loan estimate. Right. So, so this is actually this is an awesome uh, thing that they changed back in 2008. So loan estimate is there to tell you here's my initial offer of credit to you, and this is what I'm initially going to offer you as a um, as a loan. You actually get um, in, in the closing disclosure, there's a comparison of what I offered you in the beginning versus what you have now. Mm -hmm. And there is a, there's a journey in between that, right? Mm -hmm. So people will change their minds, will mess around programs, down payment, whatever it might be. But in the end, the closing disclosure says, other than a little small, like, you know, balancing by the title company of taxes or whatever the little things need to be adjusted. Out of your here's head. The, yeah, correct. Uh, this is essentially what you're going to be closing on. You're comfortable with this. And let, let me compare what you're closing on to what we started with. So you're very familiar and it looks exactly the same. It's easy to understand. Um, that's always signed three days, at least three days prior to closing. Is that a, is there a threshold? You can't be off by. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You have, you have your, um, depending on what it is. So there's certain things that can't change by like your rate can't change by more than eighth of a percent, or there are certain things that can't be adjusted by a certain percentage to hit the thresholds. Um, but uh, but for the most part, if you're communicating with your with your lender, you should be pretty um, in, Spot on. in. Oh yeah, you should, you should. It should be very similar. What's cool about this is we've um, when I first got started, like we would literally not know if we're closing until day of. Now, like no less than three days prior to close, you know exactly what your cash to close is, your interest rate, and your monthly payment. So when you look at the closing disclosure versus the loan estimate, right, and you're looking at the comparisons, give me like I don't know the top three things that you would have a buyer look at within those lines that they should pay attention to as far as if they're different or not. So you're gonna have a breakdown. So when you go through a loan estimate or a closing disclosure, you're gonna have your lines A through J, mm -hmm. okay? Everything is itemized out essentially in letters. The only thing that really matters in terms of what a lender changed in, in turn charging you something that they had anything to do with yep. is only line A, okay? Line A is it. Okay. That's my only contribution to this. How much I charge you, that I charge you to get an interest rate, all that's in there. Everything else is all either third-party costs or yep. it's you know other things. So the biggest thing that I see change most often is, hey, when I when I first gave you a loan estimate, I didn't realize that you went shopping for insurance, like your guys' last podcast. You went shopping for insurance, and maybe it's less expensive or more expensive than yeah. we were estimating, or you know that your HOAs are need to collect for more of this or whatever it might have changed. But for the most part, the bulk of the loan should be the same. And the big thing I was going to bring up too is that um, the the process of locking a loan and trusting the person to lock you at the right time and give you the right 
expertise of when to do that, especially in a rising rate market, to try to catch it at the right time mm -hmm. is a big deal as well. But um, you know, is it locked and what, what's your rate? What are the so? terms of locking now? What do you typically lock in? Uh, oh, I mean, like, like the actual rate? Right. Oh man. So um, we actually had um, a couple green days uh, last week and whatever, but we're we're still floating in the high sixes, low sevens right now. Mm -hmm. But what's the term? Sixty day lock, ninety day. Oh, lock? oh, 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 oh. The actual lock term. Uh, so we're, we're usually talking thirty day locks. Thirty day locks. Yeah, yeah. Because the actual closing time for a lender, anyone who can't hit a thirty day close isn't worth their weight on the market right now, especially with things. Have you ever locked prior to just to save the rate? Oh, sure. Absolutely. But, but here's the thing, though, is that I can't lock a rate without a, an address. Okay. You can't so, do a TBD lock. No, no. You can You can do lock and shops. Okay. So lock and shops. It's going to cost a little bit more, though. It's going to cost a little yep. bit more. A little more closing lock costs. Lock and shops means like you, the rate is favorable today. Mm -hmm. So this happened roughly, I don't know, four weeks ago. Rates dropped down to like mid, mid fives, low fives. You could literally lock the rate at like a low five and keep shopping. However, it would cost you a little sum sum until you found I'll give house. you an example of somebody sum, I actually sum. did this with. Yeah. Little thumbs, That's thumb. technical real estate terms. Yes. Sum, sum. So somebody at the time. Line, line S, something, something. <laughs> sum, sum. SS, yeah. line SS. Um, no, no, so the people had a 5875 is what we ended up locking at. Well, it was the market, excuse me. They locked at a 6125. So they had yeah. to take a quarter point higher than what the market was in order to do the lock and shop. Gave them um, 90 days to shop. Okay, mm -hmm. so in that 90 day period, and then they, uh, they had to pay a little bit extra uh, quarter point in closing costs on top of the quarter point. But if they had not done that, we, we didn't close until over 60 days later, the rate would have been up almost to 6.875. So they saved themselves three quarters of a percent of interest rate, but it only cost them a quarter. I mean, or it cost them a full a point. Full point. Yeah. A full yeah. point so difference. Full point, actually. Full well, point, but it only cost them a quarter. And that's, that's an important distinction now versus recent history, right? Because, and I'm, I'm not going to go off on a massive tangent, but it is something to consider, especially when you're talking about relationships with lenders. We had a period where the Fed was artificially holding rates. Correct. And yeah. in the relation to what we just talked about, Devin saying, hey, I want to make sure that we lock the rate at the right time. We really didn't have to worry about that a ton as the rates were artificially held. Before that, rates were going up in relation to inflation, which was also predictable. There was no Fed rate hikes every month and so on and so forth. That has changed now, right? Since we've stopped keeping them low, interest rates have continued to uh, go up as inflation's gone up. And then the Fed has come in and now it's a third party that's also saying, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna do this and it affects the bond market. The reason I say that is because over the last maybe four years, something like trusting a lender to lock your rate at the right time was it really a concern in buyers' minds? Inconsequential. Right? It was inconsequential. Actually, it was the opposite because they were actually worried that you rock them too soon. Exactly. And it would go and it down. Would right. Oh, I missed it. No, so, now it's like, no, dude. Right. And the, <laughs> and we have seen, and I mean, we talk to our lenders on a daily basis, right? So we look at the charts and we see the, just, I mean, it's choppy. It looks like it, a heartbeat. It's insane, man. It's absolutely insane. So working with somebody like Devin, who is able to, you know, his, his interest is to lock you guys' loan at the right point to save as much money as possible is more important, it's paramount now, versus the last three, four or five years where a lot of people, you know, that bought house five, six years ago are now looking again. It's something that doesn't come up a ton because you don't see it's on the back end, but it's very important. And it has the opportunity to save you a ton of money if it gets locked at the right time, if your lender's on top of it all the time. So just something to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, especially with the uh, the condition of the market right now, and like you were saying with inflation, yep. is that, you know, again, there's there's, 
there's predictable economic things that are going to happen here in the next probably six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. And so we're, you know, we, we don't know, we don't have the crystal ball, right? So we don't know exactly how things are going to work out. Um, and especially with the tumultuous, you know, you know, international stuff going on. But if things stay the same, we should be seeing relief in interest rates in the yep. next six to 12 months for yeah. sure. They will go down with inflation. It's just a, it's a normal thing. Yeah. So everybody buying a house now with a low demand is just going to get into a higher rate. You got to deal with it for six to 12 months. And then I'll get you right back out of that. And then you're going to be back. And now you have the house Plus, and the rate. Like we've already talked about in the previous podcast. Like, yes, the rate can be higher today. However, we have programs that can make your payment livable for at least three years, mm -hmm. if not more, yep. with, right. with arms. That um, gives you the opportunity to refinance, and then guess what? The whole thing never happened. You bought a house low when the market was low, and a year from now, when we think that where we think things will sell for, you're gonna right. actually like have the equity up. Like, there's a lot of opportunity in the marketplace. So the the biggest thing here that I feel like we're all saying and we're passionate about whiskey. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. What, malted, what podcast are we on? Malted rye whiskey. <laughs> malted rye whiskey is 51 percent rye. Is that um, for nine percent? The partner you work with matters absolutely, hundred percent. And there is not so much to be scared about financial uh, wise when you're buying a house. Like there's so many opportunities and opportunities to buy a house that we got to make sure that you should be exploring it. Yeah. I, I worry so much about the folks who are signing that lease on an apartment for twenty five hundred dollars a month, or signing that lease for a house for thirty six hundred dollars a month because they're like, oh my gosh, interest rates are mm -hmm. too high. And I'm like, well, yeah, but like you're renting a house for $3,600 a month, which is the going rate for a standard house in California yep. right now. An apartment. It's actually uh, more expensive than the mortgage rate right now. Yeah, for two, some of them. Two, two bedroom, two bath. And, and they go hand in hand. Yeah. Rates are going to go up. But guess what? So are rents. Yeah. Investors, I mean, they're they're being investigated yeah. at this point. But if, if I know that people are going to buy a higher rate, rents are going to go up. Yeah. Well, and they, they typically go hand in hand. And we, we, we just get nervous about like buying a house with um rates high mm -hmm. and how much money it costs to get it we want to make sure you understand like you don't need a ton of money and there's ways to make rates figure it out and you don't need the credit score of you yeah, know 770 eight, eight, don't sell eight, yourself right. short Talk you don't need 20 percent down you don't have to have sterling no. credit nope you don't have to you can we can we can get creative and make it make sense yes for whatever your personal situation is make the phone call it's not going to cost you anything Sit down with a professional, start with a realtor or a lender, because we go hand in hand, and let them know your situation. They'll yeah, it's Thanksgiving. It. You please, please, please do not start with your Uncle Tom over dinner. Okay? Just don't. I'll talk to him. I feel like we'll, you uh, we'll hit talk a, to hit. Uncle Tom. Everybody <laughs> is an I feel like you have a family member that you're yeah. yeah. with. Or Jane or <laughs> Samantha. Once you start, so so once, once you start this process, I, uh, I think it's an on, on Uncle Tom's note, yes. we should uh, transition into our... Takeaways. Uh, takeaways, yeah. So let's start with the, the uh, whiskey. Okay. So what is your rock rating, Oscar? Old-fashioned. Old-fashioned. <laughs> it's old-fashioned. <laughs> it's not an old-fashioned. Um, a rock rating, I liked it. I mean, um, it's, it's such a different flavor profile, the rye from yeah. just your typical bourbon. Um, this one had a, had a sweeter front end, mm -hmm. and then it just lingered into... A, a slightly hot, peppery finish. Mm -hmm. I'd give it a solid. Um, I want to go two and a half rocks. Two and a half Ooh, rocks. Would you? Would you rate McKenna last last week? I think it was two. Yeah. Solid two. Yeah. Two, yeah, two. Yeah. 
What, what's the scale here? One to what? One it's to ten. One so to ten. One to ten rocks. But, yeah. One being the best. Yeah. One, one yeah being so the, the best. Ooh, all right. All right. Yep. All right. Yeah. Uh, if, we, if we ever do J- garbage, Jameson. maybe we'll do ten. But um, so we should put a ten on there. You know what I mean? Like, we should bring it a ten. Yeah. This is, it's Check funny. Water. So hey. this this and the McKenna to me were pretty similar. Uh, the flavor profile is a little bit different on this in the sense that it's a little bit smokier and higher higher ABV. So, oh man, I'm going to go three rocks and I don't know if it's my favorite smoke wagon, but mm-hmm. it's good. Cool. Oh, uh, for me, guessed. well, um, one to 10, huh? One being the best. Dude, I love smoke wagon, and the smokier the better for me. That's just my taste profile. Yeah. Um. So I'm probably gonna give it a two rocker. Two Ooh, rockers. I'm a two one. rocker. I think it's very like good. It. I mean, it's eight good. out of ten I or like two out of ten in your guys' scale. Good. Yep. Like so it. I'm gonna go a little lower on the scale. I'm gonna go with like a five. Wow. Five. Yeah. My my biggest problem with it is, well, it's prefer preference because I'm not a rag guy really. Yeah. I like rag. It's a little bit more earthy. And like kind of peaty, so more like Scottish or Scott. You're not Scottish. a good old boy. I mean, that's the, yeah. the malt. The right? good old boy. Forty nine percent whiskey and rye. I drove the Chevy Levy, and the Levy yeah. was rye. Oh, oh man. Okay. Also, <laughs> it explains Oscar's rating because ryes are notoriously good for old fashioned. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that actually, no, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Actually favorite old fashioned yep. is yeah. Templeton. I think I think it's a very easy saying. drinker. Yeah, yeah for yeah. the proof. Yeah, um, I prefer something a bit more, probably like vanilla y. Okay. And that's fair. It's less, girly a little bit. A l- l- little l- l- less smoky. Yeah. He wants one pinky off the glass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets fancy. Oh, this is <laughs> I want, and I also want it to burn a bit more. Yeah. I was surprised there wasn't a ton of burn on this one. For, for well, the alcohol yeah. by volume. For we need to bring some proof. spitfire in. Some profiles of like <laughs> gunpowder <laughs> and tobacco leather. Yeah. I would, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and skip that episode. Gunpowder and lead. I think it's a Miranda Lambert All right. So, again, though, like, very pleasurable drink. Yeah, yeah. I think th- this would go great with a gar. Yes. Oh yes, yeah. I would. I would enjoy that with a gar yep. for sure. Yeah. Um, Wait, we have to. We need oh, Charlie. Charlie's. Uh, we need Charlie's. Oh, we need Charlie's. Hit, hit, hit Charlie, please. Who's gonna do it? Go for it. You're. All right. You're closer. You hold this. Yep. So, um, Oscar, we're gonna transition from that into your one, run one rock takeaway. So my takeaway is the overview of we could go on for at least another hour with this, you know, with other subjects. But at the end of the day, have the conversation with the expert. Don't sell yourself short. There are options. Make sure you you have that good, subtle conversation and give as much information. They are on your side. The lender is on your side. He is your advocate. All right, Jameson. So I'm going to, I have a theme when I talk to buyers um, that are questioning, you know, when to buy in the market. And I always say, <clears throat> that the right time to purchase or buy real estate is whenever you are ready as a buyer, right? But the caveat is make sure you have the right information and reliable information. The only way to get that is working with a realtor and a lender. So if somebody comes to me and goes, hey, you know, I'm not really sure. Is this the right time? I've seen 18 different headlines around what I should do or what I shouldn't do. That's when I will refer you to obviously my professional opinion, but then a lender as well, because the more information that we have as a collective, the more informed decision that you guys can make on really probably the biggest financial and emotional decision that most people will make in a lifetime. Just make sure you have the right information. I think having Devin today was eye-opening in the sense that there's a lot of things that go into it. 
There's a lot of transparency that's required, but the more that you have, the more confidently you can say, yes, it's the right time for me, or hey, you know what? No, maybe it's not the right time for me. And I think that's the biggest takeaway I have is make sure that you're partnering with the right people so you can make that decision one way or the other. Great, Devin. Um, for me, I would say the, the biggest obstacle a lot of people put in front of themselves is themselves. Yeah. yeah. That it's really what it is. And they, they always assume that they can't. And they heard from their parents. They heard from their friend. I can't do it for X, Y, and Z reasons. Uncle Thomas. Oh, my gosh, man. I can't tell you guys how many times I've talked to somebody that's like, I, I was just told to call you. I was trying to figure it out. And the next thing we know, we have an approval and we're under contract. They're excited. Oh, yeah. They're way excited. Like, yeah. I didn't know I could ever do this. Right. Because there's too many you know, misconceptions in the market and there's too much chatter. All there really is, there's enough programs that have been given to you by so many sources, especially when you work with people that work with a lot of different banks, that there is something out there for most everybody. Not, not, not to say that everybody, but for most everybody. So mm -hmm. just put it out there if you ever thought about it, see what you can do, and if what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, and then you're right back where you started. Yep. Then change your circumstances. And then exactly. change, yeah, then, then we'll help you get there. Yeah. That's make the biggest a, thing. Make we'll a, plan. a plan. plan. That is something people don't realize as a very, very extra add-on and this is a Devin and I think I'm about to say we worked with somebody for 12 months 12 months an entire year. on a plan to get somebody from I literally can't buy a house based on my finances to purchasing and closing on a house a month and a half ago and that's the beauty of it is if you work with the right people if you're not qualified today but you still want to make something happen work with the lender work with the realtor we'll put you on a plan to get you there so yeah that's true I'm actually passionate about the lack of information for buyers to buy a house mm -hmm. uh it, again coming from personal experience like there's like there's no like there's no way i can buy a house i'm like you know joe schmo whomever but credit score qualifications are literally negligible it's a thousand dollars cash in your own pocket so many people who are renting a house right now could have bought a house three, four years ago, and could be sitting on a hundred thousand dollars in equity investments are always there if you're open to them when they're available and you make the decisions at the right time. If you guys are watching this, right, make sure you like and subscribe. It's mm -hmm. the best way to know when our podcasts come out. Give us some feedback. Let us know what some of the topics that you guys have always had questions about. We're here to be as transparent as possible. Uh, and the best way to address it to as many people as possible is through this podcast. So continue to support us. We love it. We really, really appreciate it. But make sure you hit the follow button, the like button, the subscribe button, whatever button with the plus signal on it. Hit it. And if you guys want to get in touch with Devin specifically, Devin, one more time. Um, so I'm a, I'm a Devin Rice on Facebook. I have Devin Rice Mortgage on Instagram. Um, you guys can always feel free to call me. It's 303-478-7292. Blow his phone Blow up. Blow me questions. up. Absolutely. D-Picks all day. Yes. We, <laughs> different podcast. That's an OnlyFans thing. Different show. You'll but, see if we go that route. You might have found picks that. Picks of his fits. You might have found That's that golf fit, ball on fit, the golf course. Fit yep. picks. <laughs> and, uh, and, and as always, so we've got Oscar Ibarra, we've got JC Ortega, myself, Jameson Amaros. If you guys want to get in touch with our team directly, there's two ways. So the phone number for us, 720-608-9437. So 720-608-9437. And then we do have an email address that will go to the team. It is R-E-S-O-T-R at Metro5280.com. So if you guys got any questions and you want to email us, you want to get in touch with the team, R-E-S-O-T-R at Metro5280.com. Feel free. One of us will answer, get you partnered up with us or something of our team. Um, and uh, and yeah, guys, I had fun. It was a good time. Yeah, it was awesome. Absolutely. Uh, so Super appreciate all the support and love. Cheers. Thanks. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for an uncut and unfiltered version, subscribe to our YouTube channel. 